Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always, and I hope everyone is doing well. So I just wanted to give you a little forewarning of what you're going to hear for the next hour or so. So basically, this is an excerpt from our Twitter Spaces session we did on Monday, January 31st, where all of the Holtcast co-hosts jumped on and had their say on Aston Villa's January transfer dealings. We even had a special guest jump on um, and chat about the Villa Academy. And then at the very end, we had some of the listeners jump on and share their opinions as well. So it's just a nice little chat. We thought, why not throw it on the podcast feed and hopefully everyone enjoys it as well. But if you want to get involved and you didn't even know we do these live Twitter space sessions, of course, you can follow us at 7500 to hold on Twitter. But anyways, I'll stop rambling and we'll get you over to the regularly scheduled podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll consider this officially kicked off now, I guess. Um, essentially, what we're going to do is chat for the next probably 45, 50 minutes or so about Villa's window. And of course, um, hopefully in the next 24 to 48 hours, I can get the uh, file to upload this on our uh, Holtcast podcast feed as well. So it'll be kind of a special edition of that too. So we'll see how this goes and if it goes well. Um, we'll uh, upload more of those because we've uh, done a few of these, a few of these before, I should say, Tom, uh, Seb, and I, and we've really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, let's kick it off, Danny. I'm going to throw you right under the bus because you haven't been on one of these with us yet, and then we'll go to Simon just to kind of put the pressure on even more. Uh, what are you thinking of the uh, the window that was for Villa? No, I think I think. I don't remember the last window which we came out of and I said it was a terrible window or I said it was a bad window. I don't even remember the last window we came out of and I said it was an okay window. I, I think generally, the since the owners have come in, they've had the best interest in heart and we're just making upgrades where we've got to be making upgrades. And I know there's going to be a lot of fans out there that are going to be here thinking, why do we not have another DM? Because that's all I read. I read DM. I don't read defensive midfielder anymore because it's all it's all Twitter where, where I see everything. But um, I genuinely think when you look at it, we come out looking so much stronger than we did in December. Luca Dean is perfect. Like he's he is the perfect lap, uh, left back for the Gerrard system. Matty Target now obviously being moved on. Um, look at Coutinho. I you know you, I don't think any of us would have expected a player of that stature to be joining us. Uh, which just kind of shows you again the level of players that we're looking at. Olsen, great, yeah, backup keeper. I'm happy with that. That's fine. Um, and then Callum Chambers, who, who we've brought in, really, who's who's going to be bringing in cover at centre back, right back, and defensive midfield. So I, I just, I, I really do think we've got a much stronger squad than than we did uh, before the start of the window. Yeah, fair enough, Simon. How are you feeling about it all? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely great. It's, it's, it's been a pretty good window. I mean, obviously. Everyone sort of knows that that defensive midfield position is, is is an area that needs looking at, needs strengthening. But you know, if the deal, if the right deal wasn't available for us at the moment, then you just move on with it. I mean, it's a it's a 
it can be a tough time to get players in and sort of negotiate the right deal. And I think obviously in the summer, you've got a bit more time to get everything prepared. So I've no real problem with them sort of waiting to get it right. But like Danny said, you brought Luke Dina in and Coutinho. You've instantly upgraded that first 11. Um, bit of cover of Callum uh, Chambers coming in and Olsen again, a bit of experience on the bench. So... Yeah, you can't really complain. And obviously, Courtney Hawes and Emmy Martin are signing new contracts. Yeah, all in all, it's been a it's been a good January window for us. And Tom, uh, last but no means least, uh, how are you feeling about it as well? That's the thing. I think you got to you got to judge it. It's not like this is a summer window, right? Where you've got often the last couple of months of the season. If you haven't got that much to play for, to start laying groundwork, and then you've got whatever it is, two and a half months to get all your business done. Like considering we're looking at a four-week window or whatever here. And I think in the past, like, path of the course in January has been a couple of, often been, like, a couple of uninspiring loan signings. Shout out Boya Baston, obviously. But, like, uh, considering that in the past the standard's been pretty low, I think as far as a January window goes, like, if you're looking at this window and you're saying it's anything less than, like, an 8 out of 10, then... I think you're mad, to be honest, because, OK, we might not have got that defensive midfielder, but had we got had we got that defensive midfielder, you would be looking at this and you'd be saying this is like an 11 out of 10 window. Um, and things rarely happen perfectly. You rarely get everything you want. But like Danny, like, you know, like Danny and Simon, the lads have said to upgrade so clearly in the way that we have also bringing some depth. Uh, let a few more of the kids out on loan at higher levels as well. And some of them have started really well. You know, Cameron Archer scoring already, Keenan Davis scoring already for uh, for Forrest. Kesler hopefully can do really well at MK Dons. Like, I just think um, it's been a real sign of what um, Gerard and the staff are trying to do, really, which is upgrade the first team and make sure that uh, culture of improvement is there, but also laying groundwork for the future, right? I, I don't see how you can't be happy. Yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those, and I'm just, I kind of jotted down last night the ins and outs, and there's uh, far more outs now than there was that I jotted down, but just to quickly look at it, there's, what, four ins, and then um, on top of the, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, three more today, um, I think there's at least been, what, 12 you can include, of course, some of the uh, younger players at it as well, so that probably extends to almost, what, 15, maybe, maybe I over kind of stretched that a little bit, but Nonetheless, that's probably the most outgoings I've ever seen in one window, um, aside from us getting promotion and basically just losing everyone to uh, free agency, basically, anyways, because either they weren't good enough for the Premier League or they're far too old to cope with the Premier League standard. Uh, but, Seb, I'll throw it back your way. Um, I guess this is a bit of an easy one, but signing of the January window for Villa, who would it be for you? Um. I'm going to try and avoid the obvious. Um, and I'm actually going to go for Luca Dina. I think it was clear when Gerard came in that a left-back would be something that he personally wanted strengthening. I think heading into this season, it was probably unlikely due to how much target improved last year. We were thinking, great, he can kick on now, he can get even better. You know, I remember writing an end-of-season piece last season where I asked a lot of people who they thought our player of the season was and target, 
you know, was a standout answer for a lot of them. And, you know, there were even talks of him being on the verge of in a, in and around that England squad for the Euros. So, you know, it's always disappointing to see a player's form drop. But to bring in a player with the quality and calibre of Luca Dina, I think we striked at the perfect time. We saw that he had fallen out of favour with Benitez and, you know, had we acted what a week later, we might not be sitting in this position talking about him being our player because obviously all that drama happened at Everton and Benitez now going with Lampard coming in. You know, I think it's credit to the way that Perslow and Johan Lang have acted that we that we moved so swiftly to pay the price for the player that we'd set our intentions out for and to to get him in and to get a very, very good player in. Um, yeah, no, absolutely fair enough. Danny, instead of kind of stating the obvious, is there one outgoing player that you would have kind of liked to see stay around in particular? Ooh, an outgoing player I'd, just, I'd like to have seen stick around. Correct. That's interesting. Well, I mean, I think firstly, Matty Target. <laughs> like, we, we've, we've, we've now kind of gone from having two options at left back to, well, if Luca Dean gets injured, Ashley Young's going to have to play there. And like, I've got no, I've got no problem with Ashley Young. I like that he's come in and, and done well at certain times in midfield. But like to be completely honest with you, I think I've not been super impressed. Oh God, my phone is going off. Um, I've not been incredibly impressed with with Ashley Young when he's played at fullback. I've come at fullback really. Like if anything, his best. I think his best game came when he came on in central midfield. <laughs> that that time, um, I agree. Like I think like the target ones are target ones a bit of a weird one. Like I can understand. Um, it, it, it must be weird for him, right? Because, like, players player of the season, like Seb was saying, like, there was genuine talk. A lot of it fan-generated, I think, but genuine talk nonetheless that his performances might be warranting uh, England interest soon. And then, like, player, you know, players player of the season last May. And then, what, six months later, a new manager comes in, clearly doesn't really fancy him. His performance levels drop. I think he's been... He's been the single player who's been affected the most by Grealish leaving us. Uh, it has transformed Matty Target's game and his performances to not have Grealish in front of him. That's just a fact. Um, and so, like, I can understand, really, like, Target wanting to go because now we've got Luca Dean in. I, I also agree with Seb. Like, um, I want to be cautious with expectations about Coutinho, but I think that Dean is going to be a, a very consistent um, player for us at left back, and I think it, it, it's already been apparent that he's a step up in quality, just like a pure step up in quality over someone like Matt Target at left back. And so, like having said that, I know Gerard said stuff about wanting to have, you know, two two good players for every position and have a lot of competition or whatever. But like, if we're being real about it, unless Dina gets a bad injury, there is no real path back into the starting eleven for Matt Target. And so, as somebody who is named as our player of the season last season, he's going to be thinking, you know what? Well, I've, I've earned the right to be starting at left back at this level, like proven that I'm good enough. Um, and while he may not be good, you know, we might, may not think he's good enough for us anymore. Like he's got to be good enough to start for a team like Newcastle, not being funny. Um, so like, I don't begrudge him wanting to leave at all. It's just it does leave us awfully light. Then if something happens. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's still just, I don't know, it still boggles my mind. But, like, I can understand it from the player aspect, too. I mean, you want to play. You arguably are coming into your prime years of your career, so you do want to get out there and express yourself and, and get the opportunity to feature as much as you can. So I can understand that, but at the end of the day, it is a bit annoying. I hope I don't know if they've actually came out with the loan fee or if that'll ever be discovered. Maybe it'll be something that we look back at in a few years and laugh at, but uh, I hope it's very high, to be honest, because I kind of think limiting Newcastle, as much as I don't mind them as a club, um, maybe sends them down, but who knows? Um, I'm sure they yeah. might have like a gazillion signings here coming in after the uh, the deadline somehow. <laughs> the the only thing I'll add about the target thing, like before we flip it to somebody else, is that like um, the other side of it really is that like I think it's quite clear that Gerard and his staff don't really fancy him as the starting left back. We have out and out replaced him already, so now maybe you know letting him go out on loan as frustrating as we might find it because it leaves us short. Like, if he plays every week for Newcastle and he plays pretty well, he's a solid performer, that's just keeping his value up for the summer, right? Um, and then whether it's Newcastle or whether it's somebody else, we can sell him at pretty much the, the top of his value. Whereas, you know, if he was sat on the bench not playing any games, like, his value is going to seriously decrease over the next six months. So I think that's probably another side of it as well. Like, he's a very, uh, I think he'll probably prove to be a very sellable asset in the summer. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing I was trying to get at, too, if I, if I ever shut my mouth and actually think. Um, like, at the end of the day, if he sits at Villa for the rest of the season and doesn't play, say, once, then surely that value's all going to go down. There's going to be questions, of course, with teams coming in to bargain to get a lower price of, you know, what does he still have it, blah, blah, blah. Why hasn't he played? Well, if he hasn't played, um, then how can you value him at? I don't know so many odd million or whatever and you know what I mean it's risky to go on loan too because maybe Newcastle still get relegated it doesn't work but at the end of the day if it does work you could argue that maybe the valuation actually goes up a little bit more especially if Newcastle maybe want to sign him unless there's some kind of hidden part of the deal that means we can only um, value up to so much if they want to come back in but I haven't heard that nonetheless Um, let's go to uh simon simon what do you feel about the whole maddie target thing i mean it's probably the biggest outgoing news and probably one of the biggest surprises of where he's went but where do you sit with it well kind of what the other lads have said really i, I agree with basically all the points they, they were saying about leaving us lights the one thing I, I wanted to add really was i don't get why why we've let him go to newcastle because why would we want them to stay up if newcastle stay up then all of a sudden we've got a massive competitor in the summer for signing players because of the money they have. So that's that's the one thing that I find really strange. I, I don't know why you would you would make that move to to help out Newcastle. Like of all the teams down there, they're the one you do not want to stay up just because of the financial muscle they're gonna have in the summer if they do. Yeah, it just it's one that really doesn't make sense. And I just do want to mention everyone that's here because there's quite a few people. Um, I see one or two people requesting and stuff like that. Um, we're going to do that, but we're going to probably do that in the latter half of this, probably for the last 15 or so minutes. Um, so request then if you're still sticking around and we'll get you in then. Um, I should also mention we have uh, Charlie from at Academy AVFC joining us here um, in a little bit. He's already listening, of course, but we'll bring him in probably around the half hour mark to 
chat about the uh, academy players and all that kind of stuff in terms of outgoings and all that um, good stuff. And it'll be great to kind of get that aspect um, in regards to somebody that looks out for that in particular. So yeah, like I said, we'll bring him on for about 10 or 15 and then we'll get to uh, some listener questions and thoughts and we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up after that. But uh, Tom, I'll throw it back your way here. It's, to look at the list, of course, and we haven't really brought up Coutinho, the one that kind of sticks out for me is Robin Olsen. Of course, Steven Gerrard came out and said that he wants three senior keepers. It's kind of interesting today to see, of course, Olsen come in um, this window and then Jed Steer to go out um, today to Luton Town. So what do you make of that one in particular? Because, of course, that keeps uh, Sinisawa at the club as well. So that's one thing to kind of say you have a lot of belief in a, a young and up-and-coming player, but what did you make of that one in particular? Do you think that's the end of Steer at Villa? Uh, I think it might be the end of Steer at Villa, like, realistically. Um, and, I mean, I think I, it's, I'm pretty confident in spe- that I'm speaking on behalf of all Villa fans, really, when I say that uh, uh, we, we'll, we'll forever be grateful for his contributions, right? Particularly championship coming up, obviously the penalty shootout, but not even just that, like, in the playoffs and also... Uh, the second half of the season, particularly that that run in the championship on the way to promotion, uh, he played a big, big, big part in that. Um, I think bringing like Robin Olsen in, um, you know, it's experience, isn't it? Like he's played played a fair few games for Sweden, experienced goalkeeper, been around a fair bit. Good. Uh, I think you can file that one under sort of good one for the dressing room. Uh, brings that winners mentality again. Um, I think I said this at the time that we signed him. At the time that we signed him, like to be quite frank, and no disrespect for him. No disrespect to him at all. I hope that we don't see him play a single minute of football for Villa. Uh, <laughs> if he's only going to be here until the summer, like I'm not being funny. Um, I don't think I've ever, uh, you know, apart from when we uh, back in the day when we used to sign shit players, I don't think we've ever signed someone. And I've actively been hoping at the moment that they arrive that they won't play for us at all. But um, it's just because, you know, if Robin Olsen plays, it means Emmy Martins is not playing, which I don't think is anybody's ideal, really. So I think that's probably one low risk, low expense, upgrades our backup option a bit in case Martinez does get injured, suspended, what you know, in case something happens to him, God forbid. Um, and, you know, Gerard has spoken early on, I think, uh, I think in respect to Ashley Young, about having that winning mentality in the dressing room. Uh, Olsen's played for a, a fair few decent clubs, lot of caps for Sweden um you know I don't think it really goes much deeper than that because like I say I hope we don't really have to see him on the pitch no disrespect Robin yeah it's an interesting one I mean we'll we'll see really what comes of that at the end of the season if we decide to pursue him on a a full-time basis but uh and I'm not sure if he's a a free agent at the end of the summer as well at Roma. But nonetheless, it's good experience and someone that has Premier League know-how, of course, with Everton last season. Um, Danny, I hope we have you back for at least a few minutes before it kicks you out again (laughs) or does something to you. Um, Callum Chambers, and uh, probably obviously the second window in a row where we've had a kind of uh, what the hell, this came out from nowhere signing. Uh, three and a half year deal, of course. It looks like he came with no fee, apparently. 27 years of age. What'd you make of that signing in particular? Oh, we might have lost Danny. I'm not too sure. Tom, do you want to take it if not? It's going well, lads. <laughs> this is the beauty of a live. <laughs> 
And just to add to the chaos, uh, you might want to go to Seb because I'm not going to lie to you. I got distracted by something, so I did not hear what your question was. <laughs> I was just asking your thoughts on Callum Chambers. Honestly, I like like I, I I like it really. He's one of these. What what did we just decide? It wasn't quite free, was it? But it was like two million or something. I think was the fee that was being bandied around. Um, you know, with losing Axel, um, he didn't. Tuanzebi didn't impress very much. Didn't impress me very much when you know he was on loan. Again, shout out to his championship days, but that's you know uh, we want to be moving forward from that. Um, I think Chambers is a pretty decent option to have in like play, center back played at right back played at, at it's been I've seen a lot of talk about playing at defense midfield uh for Fulham when admittedly they were shit but he stood out <laughs> uh in defense midfield for them hey like i think he's not going to break through and take the place of either Esri Conter or Tyrone Mings but i think he's a very good backup option to have and like in him and and Courtney Hawes now as our backup options i'm pretty content with that uh for the foreseeable future i got to say um and it's good having these players who have played at like the top level like let's not forget Callum Chambers is might not be the most exciting signing in the world but he's played champions league football count how many people in our squad have played champions league football um so that's a that's a real attraction i think as well because that does bring a lot of experience even if you're not necessarily a regular um, and it's going to be good to have someone who can fill in these gaps, do a decent job, not expecting anything special from him, but I think it's a pretty savvy signing uh, f- for the fee. Um, and it was, it was uh, for the childlike excitement side of things, it was nice to have another sort of bomb dropped from nowhere, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I scramble to get some of our hosts back <laughs> in here uh, <laughs> constantly, people are going to love listening to this back on the, the podcast screen and probably wondering what the hell we're doing. Of course, this is on Twitter spaces, I should mention, of course. Uh, maybe I'll have you, to put okay, a If you edit this down, it'll be like 15 minutes with all of the, uh, <laughs> all of the chaos. I'll have to put a little kind of blurb at the start to say it from Twitter spaces, so expect a few errors, but uh Nonetheless, it looks like we do have everyone back, and um, let's try to get to Charlie and, of course, on his view with the academies, uh, academy, I should say, and all those kind of uh, loan deals and stuff going on there. And, of course, to the people that are requesting, um, just to give you a heads up, if you've just jumped in and you're wondering why we haven't brought you in yet, uh, in the last probably 10, 15 minutes, we'll start uh, bringing a few people in to have your say. So if you can stick around for the next probably 20 minutes, we'll, uh, we'll get you in at that point. Um, and uh, Charlie, I sent you the invite uh, to speak. So whenever you can get in here, um, I'll stop filling space with my annoying voice at times. But anyways, Charlie, can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, how you doing? There, perfect. How's it going? Uh, not too bad, thank you. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you for joining us. It's uh, We've had a nice little conversation working this all out. So once again, thank you. But uh, in particular, of course, you look at a lot of the uh, ins and outs with the academy and focus a lot more on that more so than anything. So what are your thoughts on kind of the the uh, deals that have been done so far academy-wise? Uh, well, the, starting off with, um, I guess, the 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 sort of... Uh, the bigger news of the month was was obviously Kerr Smith joining from Dundee United, and obviously we haven't seen him play yet in a in a Villa shirt for the twenty threes yet. But um, to all intents and purposes, that sounds an exciting one. And I know uh, from my own personal sort of following of Scottish football that there there's quite a bit of hype about him. I think he captained Scotland under seventeens, um, so that looks a a good sort of in between under-23 and first-team signing, so someone sort of bridge that gap um, with a real 
sort of um, a real ambition um, uh, of someone who has the potential to to make that step up. Whereas I, I think in a lot of under twenty three squads, you you do sometimes end up with players who might be good at under twenty three level but struggle to make that transition. And I think they've identified with Kersmith, we've got someone who has experience first of all, first and foremost of professional football in Scotland, but also uh, has the ability to sort of come down to our 23s level, learn, learn our system, our style, our culture, um, the way we want to do things at Villa. And then when ready, hopefully that's next season. It might even be this season if, if things work out that way, but uh, to get involved in, in uh, first team proceedings. Yeah, absolutely. There's, a few players outgoing-wise on loan that, of course, I think most Villa fans are looking forward to see how they progress and uh, come back and develop and all that kind of stuff. In particular, I guess, we can start with Cameron Archer because I feel like he's probably the easiest one we can go to first, of course. Um, scored for Preston right away. Um, has made a kind of a pretty good impact there so far and looks like, of course, we already know what he can do um, on Premier League level, of course, in the Cup as well. And we've seen how well he's done um, prior to that as well. In particular with him, what do you expect of, uh, to make of his time at Preston um, going for the rest of the season in particular? Do you think he has enough to, uh, I guess, not only kind of be a, a scratch player in terms of uh, that level at championship, but uh, do you think he could be one of those um, up-and-coming special talents that can really exceed, uh, exceed expectation, I should say, for uh, Preston North End? I think... My own particular opinion of Cam Archer is real, real excitement. I see this guy as um, someone who has that inevitability about him. And one of the things that's really excited me is sort of having that opinion that he's going to go in and and make an instant impact. So it didn't surprise me at all when he came on um, on his debut for Preston and scored the goal. Um, He's a player who, when you watch him, constantly, every time he's on the ball, it looks like something is going to happen. So he's he's really direct. Um, he's got all the finishing. Obviously, he's drawn comparisons uh, physique-wise to Carlos Tevez. Um, I guess the other side of it, which, which I think sometimes people don't really look at, is, is the sort of fit to the club. Um, and I really like the way uh, the words that I've seen Ryan Lowe say, the Preston manager, uh, the words that I've seen him say about Cameron Archer and and how um, how he fits how he fits um, to Preston as a team, and so I saw some um, some comments along the lines of they weren't giving him the correct service, and I sometimes see managers who are critical of their strikers for not providing more to the team, but it seemed like he was aware of this situation where he wasn't receiving the correct service so he wasn't able to provide for the team and it seems like that's a good thing to have a manager who perhaps understands a little bit more the frustrations of of sometimes being a striker in a team that's sort of middling and uh, perhaps can be interpreted as as a team that's a little bit more defensive Um, Archer it wouldn't surprise me if if he goes on to score 10 plus goals this season because as I say he's just that type of striker whereby you'd put put money on him to one chance put it away uh, and 
like I said, it was it was no surprise at all to watch him um, come on in debut and, and score for Preston. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess maybe two more we could throw at you right away just to keep you under the uh, the hot stone per se, Charlie. I don't want to get you under too much pressure here, but one interesting that I'd like to hear your opinions on is Louis Berry, of course. Went to Ipswich originally, and uh, well, we know Ipswich had about uh, 20,000 players join in the summer, and uh, it was quite the uh, overturn and a lot of uh, slow progress, and they're still kind of finding their feet this season in League One, you could say. Now moving to Swindon, and then of course with um, Kessler Hayden, of course now going from Swindon back to Villa, now to MK Dons to make the uh, League One to League Two, uh, or sorry, League Two to League One, I should say, um, the uh, up, up the ladder, I guess you could really say there. What do you make of those two moves in particular? And if you want to give more of an opinion on Barry, that's more than okay because I feel like he's one, in my opinion, that most Villa fans still have a lot of hope for. Some are kind of wondering if he'll ever reach that potential, but where does he sit with you? I think with Louis Barry, it's important not to um, over-criticise that loan move from the first half of the season to Ipswich. Um, it, although, obviously, ideally, we would have liked to have seen a lot of game time and, and goals. Um, it's still valuable for him to go into a team and experience these kinds of things to fight to to get into a first team um, in terms of the move directly to Swindon um, I think the first thing I'd say is, is actually that it's good to see Villa sort of develop this trust with a club in League 2 um, obviously Kane Kessler-Hayden was there the first half of the season before he got recalled and, and obviously Barry's now gone there it's good to have that relationship with a club and, and it's something that um, other clubs obviously profit from in sending their players uh, to a particular club who perhaps share similar philosophies or uh, use a particular formation. Obviously, with Kane Kessler Hayden, that was right wing back. It looks like Louis Barry will probably play as part of a two up top. Um, and another thing, actually, with that move to Swindon is uh, he sh- he'll share some. Villa experience, and I, I don't know how important this is or, or how much the players um, take from this, but from my outside view, it, it, it can only help with that acclimatisation period to go in and have Harry McCurdy, who was uh, who came through at Villa uh, uh, in the academy system before leaving. Uh, Jordan Lydon's there, who was reserve captain for a long time, made a couple of appearances in the Premier League for Villa. Uh, during the relegation season. Um, and so I think those things can um, maybe help settle him down and, and might even be a benefit in terms of um, getting him onto the pitch and maybe expressing himself a little bit more. Uh, I know sometimes from watching uh, Jaden Philogene Bidas play for Stoke City, it doesn't look like he's quite himself yet. And that might have been an issue with Barry without having watched him too much at Ipswich. Um, they almost come into a shell a little bit and, and struggle to express themselves. So I think um, Swindon being a good um, a good size club um, with, with a fan base that will get behind their players, as we've seen with Kane Kessler, um, it, looks, it has the hallmarks of being a good move. And I think Barry, the main thing now is 
right, okay, we've got those off-field experiences, let's have some minutes and hopefully some good performances to, um, to keep Swindon up there. I think they're in the playoff spaces at the minute in League 2, so it's, it's good to have players involved in football that means something. Yeah, absolutely. You want to get them experience and, of course, kind of hone their, their craft, per se. Is there one player in particular in the academy, in the academy setup you would look at and kind of think they really needed a loan in this window in particular and they've kind of missed out on that opportunity, do you think? I think the easiest one to look at is Tim Arabunam, um, because he, he's, again, one of those players who we've seen is clearly too good for uh, Premier League 2 and under-23 football, but hasn't yet been afforded the opportunity to to show what he's got, perhaps due to some unlucky cup draws or um, just situational uh, problems in games. Like you, you don't really tend to bring on a young player on debut when you're defending a 1-0 lead with 10 minutes left. Um, he could have profited from a loan. He's not uh, been out on loan uh, during his time at West Brom before he came to Villa. Um, he's looked assured when he's played against men's teams in the Papa John's Trophy. So I think he's someone who, as I say, would have profited from going out on loan. But I think at the moment, the the issue really with the squad is that w- without that signature of a defensive midfielder uh, to maybe allow Douglas Louise to come a little bit more f- uh, to come a little bit further forward or um, just to free up that extra squad spot really the club can allow Aurobunum to to go out on loan so uh, for me personally I'm not really mad at that I'm not I'm not going to be angry if Tim Aurobunum has to sit on the Premier League bench for a few games and maybe even gets a couple of 20 minute appearances but I think long term it, it perhaps would have been a bit more beneficial for him to go out on loan and get accustomed to the the week to week of men's football like that Oh, fair enough. No, it's it's always good to kind of get that aspect because it's like I'll be honest, I'll pay attention to some of the academy stuff, and some of it will slip me right by when um, I don't really check Twitter probably as often as I should some days. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I guess kind of one more thing I wanted to ask you um, in particular: if you're looking at the academy now, and for a player that, of course, is still in the academy or someone maybe we've never even heard of, is there a player in particular that's a rising star, kind of a, a diamond in the rough per se, that we should probably keep an, out, an eye out for in the next one, two, maybe three years? I've been really impressed um, in recent weeks by Tommy O'Reilly. Um, he, I think it was only his second uh, Premier League to start last week against Reading. Um, he played really, really well. Um, and I, I sort of got that sense from looking at him. He's got these traits of a player who looks like he's got the ability to go on to bigger things. So I think one of the things when you're watching academy football is not necessarily what they're producing on the pitch, but perhaps their their mannerisms or, or um, the way they control the ball, the balance they have, perhaps not taking it that extra half yard so they have that extra little bit of time to, to settle on a pass, weight of pass and things like that. Um, Tommy O'Reilly has all of that, and I, I think he's one that's starting to come into a bit of um, recognition now with Villa fans. He, uh, there was a picture of him training with the first team um, last week, but I think he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on for progress um, in that sort of attacking midfield. Um, I, I think tonight he, he possibly played a little bit deeper 
um, in that sort of six eight position. Um, but he's definitely one to keep an eye on um, for progress. Um, I don't think there'll be any first team involvement for him this season, but perhaps into next season, if that development continues, he's definitely someone with the attributes to become um, someone who who perhaps will go out on loan next season. Excellent. Well, uh, we'll have to definitely uh, get you back involved, Charlie, with some more academy stuff as we do more of these, of course. So if you're uh, new to, of course, the 7500 to Holt page, of course, give it a follow. Um, Usually we do these um, every kind of couple weeks so it's more of a bi-weekly thing but uh charlie the, the villa window as a whole we won't just kind of limit you to the academy what would you uh, give it out of a, a solid 10 rating um i'm, I'm a slightly <laughs> slightly more pessimistic than some um i think one of the the real uh, worries for me is that dm position so although the the signatures of luca dean and coutinho have been um some would would say ambitious ones um i'm not sure how in keeping they are with the philosophy that we seem to be trying to instill over the past two three years and so really um i look at this window as we went in with one clear objective and that was to strengthen the defensive midfield position and we've come out of the window with the same problem Uh, and so it kind of um stops me from giving it the really high marks out of 10 I'd probably give it a five or six um just because of those those quality players that have come in will will make a difference to the team but it's just missing that one key area that would have taken it right up into the to the high marks for me yeah and of course it's going to be something we discuss here in a little bit so once again Charlie um I'm gonna get you to go back to a listener but thank you very much for uh reaching out of course and joining us like i said we'll definitely get you involved in more of these in the future and uh, enjoy hearing your input as well so um yeah thank you very much thanks cheers bye okay there we go and of course uh danny do we still have you now or do you still have technical difficulties <laughs> I, I i would like to go in on this dm issue at some point go ahead <laughs> take it away give us the give us the raza beat no it's not it's not i mean i'm just kind of, i'm just kind of saying like you know I look around the window and I look at sort of like who people have signed. Um, and I just kind of think, well, in terms of who we're linked to in that position, there's there's players who, you know, most fans probably wouldn't have heard of who are playing in France. You've got sort of Bissouma, where, you know, obviously there's 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 a lot surrounding that I'm not going to go into. Um, even if Villa wanted to go in for somebody like that, you're, you're talking about huge money down the line in the summer. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a... A hole that needed to be filled there, but I think that's that's not something that appeared this window. Um, it's always difficult because I, I think Gerard was set on having the Camber and Louise as his two options. He he seemed to form a bit of a love in for Nakamba, uh, you know, as did most of the fan base with his performances since Gerard came in, and then obviously his injury will have come as unexpected so the difficulty is I think you know it's pretty obvious that clubs put out a short list or get together a short list you know a few months before the window opens and then I think the Canberra's injury was December time so then to rush that forward you know it's it's always going to be difficult the club have got to wait for the right opportunity to arrive whilst also making sure that they pay the right sort of money for someone that's going to be here to improve the team we're not you know, too many times 
in recent pasts. We've had players that we've bought because we needed to fill a hole, but they haven't really been an upgrade. So as soon as that hole no longer needs to be filled, we haven't really moved forward or benefited from it as a team. So it's it's really difficult. Uh, you know, the January transfer window is known for being difficult for getting deals done, which is, you know, a myth that we disproved with the the signings of Dinya and also Coutinho. But it's difficult, isn't it? You know, we're going to have to wait till the summer now and hopefully we'll be able to get a man in then. It's just about it's just about injuries. Um, like they were saying about Tim Arogbenham going out on loan, I, I think had we got a DM in, he probably would have been allowed to go. But you just can't risk it now, can you? Because I think as it stands, unless I'm maybe other than Chambers, depending on where Gerard sees him fit, he could potentially be our our second choice central defensive midfielder. So, you know, it's it's the remainder of the season now that we've got to put up with it. Nakamba, hopefully he does well in his recovery and it's not too long before we see him back on the pitch. But, you know, it's it's in God's hands now about about how we get on without him. I just wanted to say as well, sorry, before before Twitter Twitter spaces rudely cut me <laughs> off for the third time tonight. Um basically like I just don't think that uh, signing a defensive midfielder right now would have been worth it. Like I I don't I don't see how many league positions that takes us that you know that, that takes us above where we are or you know a bit above where we'd finish where with with the squad that we have right now. I, I feel like that is something to sort out in the summer because you know you don't really want to be spending out fifty, fifty five million for a player who you know just doesn't end up being the right guy and you know we've we've got so many midfielders already trying to push for a space you've got Dougie you've got Ramsey McGinn and then Sanson as well and then kind of you've got a Chuck Wameka trying to trying to make his way through and, and and in the midst of all that we do struggle to give everybody the right amount of game time anyway um and you know Douglas Louise is a, is a tremendous asset to the club as well and to be honest I don't like the idea of him having to sit out on the bench for the rest of the season. Uh, let's see here. Tom, I'll, I'll come to you. I mean, Danny and Seb have made really good points in the sense that we shouldn't really be signing a player for the sake of it. Um, we've seen a lot of reaction to whether it be um, Basuma or whoever it may else be. I mean, at the end of the day, the club's going to want to do what they want to do with their money. It's not our money. We all have to kind of understand that. And I feel like that still gets missed at times. But you know what? If we have to wait a few more months and the right deal comes along in the summer, we can't be too mad, can we? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with uh, with Danny really about um, there's no point going. You know, there's no point going for players that aren't really going to be that much of a value add in terms of the current season when you're working in January. When let's face it, there are limited options around. Like I know Spurs signing Pentanker was. Like a shame. I'd have, I'd have liked Benton Kerr. I think he's, I think he's a good player. I'd have liked him at Villa, um, but stuff like that happens. You don't get everybody you want, right? And then I think the key is that we didn't. We see a lot of clubs do in January, like get turned down by a primary target, and then you sort of pick somebody from lower down on your list, and you spend the same amount of money on them, and they're not really the player that you wanted in the first instance, like. Considering that we, if you face if you face it, like we're pretty stacked in midfield, like our midfield options compared to where we were, you know, I would even say like a year ago, um, 
our midfield options are pretty remarkable with the progress that Ramsey's made, the progress that Chuck Rumaker's made. Um, Santon finally hopefully can stay fit. Shame about Nakamba's injury, but like we've got a lot of quality and a lot of people. I, I see a lot of stuff about Ramsey and Louise and people getting sort of uh, painted with painted with the same brush in terms of well, you know, they're sort of carbon copies of one another in terms of their game, and we don't have enough range in midfield. Like I'm not sure I really buy into that to be honest. I think we've got a very good set of midfielders who. Sure, they have some key skills in common, some key attributes in common, but I think there's a wide range of attributes that they bring to our midfield. And we're in a position now um, where particularly if you were able to add Nakamba to the list, which you, you know, I can't remember exactly what the timeline was for his injury, but hopefully by the very late stages of this season, he's back in contention. Like You've got a set of five or six midfielders there where Gerard and his staff can pick the midfield based on the opponent and the situation and which attributes they want to highlight, you know, is ball is ball carrying more important or is breaking up the play more important or is being able to go box to box more important. You know, these are things that vary game by game. And so I think I don't really buy into this. There's been a lot of talk with the defense midfielder that we need like, uh, we need a destroyer in defense midfield or we need, you know, a shit house in defense midfield. who's just going to rough people up. Like I'm not entirely sure that that, kind of player to put it that simply um really exists these days to be honest i think there's a, you could argue that they did 90s early noughties because it was off the time right but i think these days like every team if you look at every team who wants to be a certain level and that level you know where we're looking hopefully is european qualification that sort of that sort of level um every team has a number six who can do a wide range of jobs. It's not just about being that mythical destroyer in defence midfield. And I think in players like Louise, I know he said that he's he would prefer to be a bit further forward as an eight, but like, sorry, but you can't always get what you want. And I think he's proven himself very capable, at least for now, in that sixth position because of his composure and his ability to sort of start play from deep. Uh, and so I'm with Danny, really, like, I'm all for us going back into the summer market, taking the next few months to consider, get a proper tight list of targets, work out the plan of attack because it's going to be a it's going to be a hell of a market in the summer for this kind of player. Um, there's nothing wrong, I think, with taking a little bit more time, particularly as let's face it, we don't really have masses to play for this season. I'm not expecting us to launch a real sustained push for Europe. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with. Uh, taking a little bit of time and having a little bit of patience, really. Uh, it's, it's never it's never over, Tom. Top four, here we come at the last minute. Um, I say that with a lot of uh, <laughs> with a lot of humor. But uh, Simon, let's let's try to get you to speak here before it tries to kick you out again. Um, thoughts on the defensive midfield? I mean, uh, of course, we would like to see it happen. But again, we've also seen what happens when Villa rush into a signing. I can think of probably easily a dozen off the top of my head um, that haven't worked out because we probably put like no research into it and just kind of hoped um, that it would work out. But where do you where do you sit with it in particular? Um, again, like I've, I've, we've said it on previous podcasts, so I've certainly said it a few times. I, I do think it is an area that we do really need to address. I. I agree with what Tom was saying there in, in terms of you don't need like just a big hard bastard in there 
to to kick people. But what you need is someone with that power element in there. If you you know, you look at some of the better ones in the league at the moment, like Rodri, uh, Fernandinho a couple of years ago, indeed at Leicester. Yeah, they can all play. They're all good footballers as well, but they do have that power, which I think that is that's something that we lack in in the midfield and kind of in the team in general, other than the centre backs. We're quite a small team, really. So it is an area that does need to be addressed. But sort of like the lads have said there. I'd, I'd rather wait until the summer and sort of get the player that you actually really, really want. You know, Gerard's not been at the club for that long, so it's probably better that he takes a few months more to look at it properly and really sort of nail down the, the couple of targets that he wants to go for rather than, um, like I think Dan was just saying there, panicking and sort of signing your third or fourth choice target for the same amount of money that you would have spent on your first one and in terms of people sort of getting very angry as they have over the last few days about us not signing a defensive midfielder it's it's not as easy as just going to a club and saying we want that player so give us him you know the club want have to want to sell and the player has to want to leave and you think like Ben Tanker obviously there's a lot of links over the last a week or so, but it could just be the fact that he would rather have gone to Tottenham than Aston Villa. That you know, the, these things will happen. Not every single player is going to want to come to us. A lot will because there is a lot to like about what we're doing at the moment. But you kind of, I think sometimes there's there's an overreaction to a lack of a certain signing, or if a deal doesn't go through, it's not because the club haven't tried or they haven't just you know. You always say just pay the money, just pay the money. It's not as simple as that. No, it's not, and it's it could be location. It could be so many different personal things that someone prefers. Maybe they are offering more money. Maybe he wants to be based in London. It could be a million different things that we just don't know. But let's uh, let's start getting a few listeners in here to uh, chat for a minute or two before we wrap things up here in about ten minutes. So we'll start with uh, Luke. Hopefully, uh, we can get him in here, and it actually works. Um, so we'll see if it actually does happen. Um, oh, whilst and, you do that, mate, it's yep. the deadline. The deadline has just passed. It has just passed. Happy there we New go. Year. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Happy no New more Year. And we've signed, we've signed Rodrigo Bentanka from Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> they have one bankrupt. There you go. Um, Harry Kane on the free. But anyways, uh, Luke, are you here and can you hear us? Hello, how are you? Good, yourself. Yeah. Um, is there anything you wanted to say in particular? Um, nothing in particular. Obviously, I'm, I'm Sebastian's brother, so he asked me to come on, which I was happy to do. Um, basically, with the window in particular, I kind of agree with everybody else. But the, the strategy that you've got to also look at what Gerard's thinking about is that he's looking to improve the, the first team in question. So he's going for a particular type of player. He won't just go and sign nobody. Um, so the likes of, you know, Coutinho, that's a massive pull because... Gerard coming in, um, Dignay as well. He was an opportunist because of the situation that was happening at Everton. And these are people that will improve the side. He's not just going to go and sign somebody just for the sake of it. Whereas I think that's what's happened in previous seasons where, oh, look, we need a defensive midfielder. This person might be available and let's go and get him. Whereas 
at the moment, he's seen that Douglas Louise, Jacob Ramsey um, and John McGinn are performing really well as a midfield three at the moment. So if he was to bring somebody in, they would need to be better than those three. And then one of those would be happy to drop to the bench. So, if, and for example, especially with the Matt Target situation at left back, where he obviously isn't happy for whatever reason, because otherwise I don't understand why we would let somebody like that even leave on loan um, and improve Newcastle. But um, obviously Ashley Young's more than capable of playing at left-back. Um, Callum Chambers can play CDM, right-back, centre-back and left-back as well. Obviously, you've got Ben Christine. Um, obviously, he's not played football, but he's still one of the young players that can play left-back. So there's there, there's cover there until the summer for when Gerard can reassess the options and where the targets that weren't available in this window that he can go and, you know, say to Perslow or Langer, look, now it's the summer. For example, if, if the Basuma um, rumours were true and we wanted him, in the summer he's only got a year left on his contract, so he's going to become a cheaper option um, to sign if that's somebody that he wanted to push for. Whereas because of the position that Brighton are in at the moment where they've sold Dan Byrne, who's critical at their centre-backs, um, they're not going to want to be selling star players to wreck their own season. So do we want to be like like the points being proven with the um, with the other guys' comments? Are we going to go and want to splash 40, 50 million on midfielder that we could potentially get for, you know, 20, 25 million in the summer? Because that's the kind of bracket that Villa are aiming for at the moment. If you look at all the signings that Villa have made recently, they're between the 20 and 30 million mark on the permanent signings. And even the Coutinho deal in the summer, we've got the option to buy for 33 million. So there's a market there that that is usually what the price that Villa wants to pay. If we go over that, I don't, you know, we're not going to be stopped by paying inflated prices anymore, which is, I think, what the mistake might have happened in the past and just going and sign a player that something like Sebastian said, um, we're just going to sign someone for the sake of it. And Canberra comes back. You know, he's done more than a capable job at DM. Um, unfortunately, hopefully, he'll he'll be able to recover his form when he, when he's back fit. Also, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for your input, Luke. Uh, I'm just going to put you back to a listener now, but thanks for jumping in. Um, and uh, yeah, have a good one. Um, uh, let's go to uh, James and see if we can uh, go for two for three at least uh, before we wrap things up. Uh, James, can you hear us? And you're just muted, so if you go to the bottom left-hand corner, there's just a little mic icon, and uh, it'll let you speak. Yeah, I think you'd hear me now. Perfect. How you, how's it going? Yeah, good, good. Um, great, great chat. Um, really interesting about the DM. Um, I think a lot of people have really focused on the DM throughout January. Um but as some people have said, um, we have a glut of midfielders and particularly uh, Meatball and Sanson and, and you know, those kind of players that could maybe fill in that kind of role. Um, if something happens to David Luiz, um, what are we going to... Obviously, um, Marvellous uh, is in trouble for a few, for, for a few months. Um 
so yeah, you need to look at the the existing players that are going to fill in that role, and you look at John McGinn, Morgan Sanson, the players that can fill in that hole. Um, that's my main concern, as most uh, most 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 fans have been, and uh, over the past few weeks, you know, we need to sign a we need to sign a defensive midfielder. We need need to sign a defensive midfielder. That's not going to happen. So now we need to ask the question, who's going to fill in in that defensive midfield role if David Luiz is injured? Um, that's, that, that, that's my biggest question. And my, my, my only answer is McGinn or Sanson. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really tricky one because at the end of the day, you need the right players to uh, fit the system, the manager system, we should say. So regardless of it's someone that's here now or, well, I guess we'll have to say now that the window's closed that, that they're here now and we have to make do with what we have. Mm. It'll be interesting to see kind of what the theme is going into it. You know what, if we go on a, uh, I'm not going to say another 10-game win streak, but if we go on a nice little 3-4 game winning streak of a run, I, I feel like that just gets pushed automatically to the back. But again, if we lose two on the bounce, three on the bounce, hell, if we even lose, lose one game, it gets pointed there, but at the end of the day, I, I still stand by we win and we lose as a team. So it, it can't just be down to that one position. But uh, James, thank you very much for uh, wanting to have your say. I'm just going to put you uh, back to a listener and then we'll try to get thank Gary you. in to uh, have his thoughts. But yeah, have a good one and uh, thanks again. It's a fair point, Cole, isn't it? It is a fair point for sure. Um, so yeah, no, just, I was just going to say, yeah, thanks to James popping on um but i i do think i do think that if i'll tell you what worst case scenario is if douglas louise does get injured we might see a little bit more of an academy player such as tim um Eric and uh and that that you know can only be a good thing I, I you know i just don't think we're gonna we're gonna challenge for europe so whatever happens till the end of the season we'll be in a better position um, bring in, bring in the player that we really do want to get because I, I even you. This is the this is the main point I wanted to make, Cole. Even though you know we're talking about this destroyer in midfield that everybody wants, Ben Tanker is not that guy. Um, and if you've seen clips of him play, if you've if you've watched him play before, he's he's not that that big, burly defensive midfielder that everybody wants anyway. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry there, I was answering a message so I could get back to somebody. Um, oh, it was a life to get this one. Um, Tom is requesting to speak again, so we'll get him in here and we'll get Gary in here to have his say. And then we'll uh, wrap things up here um, in the next few minutes. And I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that's uh, joined in here. I think at one point there was like over 170, if not more, um, maybe it was closer to 200 listeners at one point. So great to have a lot of interaction, engagement, and of course, uh, those not having their say, but uh, sticking by and uh, listening to us try to make sense or listen to me try <laughs> to uh, kind of organize this all together. But uh, Gary, I'm going to come to you. Can you hear us? Yeah, of course I can, Paul. How are you doing, Paul? Good. Yourself? I'm living the dream. Living the dream. Brilliant. Uh, well, what did you want to have your say on, sir? Um, the sense of... De- the CDM point is is up for debate. I get that. I'll have that all day long. I, I want to move away from that. That my issue that I've got this morning and today is that we've got a left back position where we are. We, I, I don't understand why Newcastle have just taken a loan off us, and we've allowed that. And I don't understand where the 
where the cover comes from for that position. If we're looking at Young for the cover or Chambers for the cover, I think we've done ourselves a really bad injustice there. The CDM, that can wait till the summer, all day long. Steven Gerrard knows exactly what he's doing. He's, he's an absolute genius of a midfielder. So if he thinks that what went to Tottenham in the end wasn't for us, that wasn't for us. But I just can't understand what we're doing at left-back. If anyone can help me, I'm, I'm massively open for suggestion. Well, Tom, do you want to have your say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, like it's fair enough. It's a concern. Um, because like we said, you know, like we said earlier, like, okay, like Ashley Young can cover at left back and has covered at left back already. But I'm going to be honest, I think his worst performances for us this season have come in that position. Way Um, too old, way too old. I just don't think, and like we're, our system under Gerrard, what we've seen of it so far is very demanding on the full backs, right? Very demanding. Got to get up and down. That's part of the reason he doesn't fancy Target, I think. Um, because if Target got stranded on the halfway line, he wasn't he, he didn't get back for about half an hour. Um, so but you've got Coutinho, you've got Coutinho, sorry to interrupt, you've got Coutinho that's been introduced on the left wing to add spice to where a certain person used to exist where Matty Target used to provide the cover and the, the overlap. It, it, what we're saying, that he's just shit out because somebody else has taken his position for two games and he said, please, boss, I want to move on. Because now what we're we left with, because we, we've got such a quality front three line, but what's if he gets injured now, Dinier, what have we got in the back left to, to cover? Chambers can come over. But why would you allow that person to go out on loan? That must I, be an adverse ad hoc reaction. I think. I think what's happened is, and I, th- I think. I mean, first of all, you know, let's let, let's look at it on the on the positive side, is that which which is that you know we started the window with Target and and Young, and now we've got the we've now we've ended the window with, with Dean and Young. You know, in in that you know our first choice left back is now you know sort of better suited to the, the Gerard system. But I, th- I think what what we're in right now, and I don't know, Tom, if you want to back me up on this at all, but basically we're we're in a moment where we're spending a lot of money. We 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 are we are putting out those twenty twenty five million pound fees for players, and I think part of being a sustainable club is moving players on. Now, if Target sort of doesn't make another appearance for us for the rest of the season, uh, it's going to be very difficult to move him on. Um, whereas if he if he goes to Newcastle now, does well, end of the season, you know you might get twenty twenty five million out of him, um, and and that all sort of helps with financial fair play and 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 moving a player on. Otherwise, you know <laughs> we, we may not get that many appearances out of him anyway. A financial fair play, I'll have that as a financial issue then that means that it's a financial issue and it's him himself begging to move on. You can't replace him with Young because he was instrumental to us last season. For me, there's loads of people going to call me out on this and say that he was crap compared to others, but he was brilliant last season. He wasn't crap. He was brilliant for us. And I, I admired him and he was brilliant. And he's had a couple of loose games, and then a load of players, load of, sorry, a load of Twitter have gone at him 
this this season, and I think that's wrong. I massively think that's wrong, and I think we've massively lost somebody that was instrumental to us that could have retained his position. And I think he's reacted to Twitter or reacted to how he's been dealt with. I, I just, I, where are we left with Young mm. to replace him? I think that's wrong massively. I do, like, yeah. I do agree with you because it does, like, it does leave us very short. But I do, we, we we mentioned it earlier. I do think a lot of it is that we're looking to become this club now that uh, upgrades a few key pieces, preferably every window, but certainly every year. In a way that realistically, the last few years we actually haven't really done that very much. We've been we've been obviously because of the, the the trouble we've been in in the championship. But even for the few years before that, you know, the years before we got relegated, we were pretty stagnant in terms of quality. We weren't upgrading. We were replacing like for like. Now we're in this thing of upgrading, and I think you've by touching upon the point that I completely agree with. By the way, about him target having been pretty excellent last season. Uh, in the link-up with Grealish, and he was very dependable, obviously won the Players' Player of the Season. Um, I think that's, I actually think that's factored into the decision for right, for better or for worse, and for right or for wrong. I think that's factored into the decision to let him go out on loan now. I've, I, I think everyone at the club is accepting of the fact that Target is not the left-back that Gerrard wants, and he's not the left-back who's going to excel for us in Gerrard's system. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's been a little bit of um, what's the right word? Uh, Ill, Ill feeling or unease about letting him sit and rot on the bench for a few months because it's, it's it's kind of similar now, I think, to Martinez and and Robin Olsen. Like, yeah, in Gerard's mind, ideally, Matty Target won't play a single minute for us between now and the summer, like, unless there's a massive injury. Game. Yeah, unless there's a massive injury. And so I think that instead of letting him rot on the bench, letting his value depreciate and also create a situation where you're basically hanging our player of the season from last season out to dry, I think that's probably factored into their decision to let him go out, not, you know, stay happy, stay playing football, but more importantly then from the business side of things, keep his value up. Because if he plays well for Newcastle and Newcastle... Absolutely, absolutely. They'll, they'll, they'll take Newcastle they'll take him and, and his inflation will go to the roof. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My only issue is that we end up with some kind of horror scenario where, oh Christ, Luca's just taken a massive knock, and then we're we're Luke Chambers uh, Chambers goes to to left back or whatever, and we end up in a, a massive injury scenario, and then it's like, oh shit, where are we at? But then, this is pure speculation on my part. Um, we don't know the terms of the deal yet, right? With Target. Like, do we know for a fact, for example, that we don't have a, a, a recall clause on him where we can pull him back if that does happen? Because they're included in a lot of loan deals. And I think when we're talking about signing midfielders and signing other players, like a lot of credit correctly has been given to Gerard and the staff and to the board being like, oh, you know, our owners know what they're doing. Our coaching staff know what they're doing. So, like, they're not going to have let Target go out on this month, on this five month loan deal or whatever without being satisfied that the worst case scenario is accounted for. So like I'm half expecting, I'm not saying I know anything or like I'm necessarily correct, but I'm half expecting it to come out in the next few days that if that did happen and Dean got a, got a big injury, we'd have, we'd have the ability to re, to recall target. Cause like, I don't know if Newcastle have paid a loan fee or if they've paid a big loan fee. Um, That's every possibility, out, every so possibility. It, and I'll sit back in the box on that one. I'm sorry. So yeah, just, I hadn't even no, thought of that. 
No, well, not at all, but like, it's a fair point because if we get stuck, and if we get stuck and we can't recall him, and Dean does get injured and he's out for two months, then I'm willing to agree with you right now that we're pretty much fucked on the left back front. But yeah. nothing just, new, eh? I, I think nothing, nothing you hate, Tom. Quite, yeah. Fucked yeah, in the full back position. Um, but considering how much how much credit we're willing to give to our board and to our staff correctly for so much of the stuff that they do, it it feels a bit weird to be. Uh, not that I'm saying you were doing this, Gary, but like it feels. I'm not going to. I know, to know what you're going to say. I know you're going to say that. I'm going to go now. against them. I'm not going against them. I have so yeah. much trust in this board and this management and Stephen Gerrard. It just felt when I looked this morning and it and I hadn't seen that come in, and it was like we've lost the left back. Where's our left back recovery now? If we have an issue, I've, yeah, listen, I I trust I him 100. percent I trust him 100 percent more so than the fact that everyone's going on about a CDM. I, I trust Stephen Gerrard, who's a, a, a midfield genius, to know what's going on in midfield, to know for the fact that we don't need to spend £50 million on someone that's a bit uncertain at the moment. So, yeah, I I, I take that with a pinch of salt, and I'm, and, and I'm sorry for my comment that I said about the left-back. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> well, uh, Gary, we're gonna we're gonna get you to go back to uh, a listener for now. But thank you very much for your input. It was a good great track, little Gary. chat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, I'll do that now, and then we're just gonna wrap things up here in the next minute or two, of course. But I've just been messaging, uh, of course, Danny, Tom, Simon, and Seb from behind the scenes to get their uh, rating on the window. So we'll get that to that in a second. And apologies to those. A few or a couple or a few, I should say, that have requested in um, over the last 15 minutes or so. Um, join in next time, of course. Maybe we'll do this in a week or in, or two, I should say. And uh, you can have your say then, of course. Follow us at 7500 to hold. Just click on the icon I'm speaking through and you can do that. And uh, yeah, there will be a reminder, of course. So you can uh, kind of click it and forget it until we go live in the future. Um, but the one thing I did want to say about the left back situation, and I just thought about it, you know what, if we're short, um, I feel like Danny might find a little bit of humor in this, but I wonder what Ali Suzoko is up to these days. Um, I don't know if he's actually retired or not, uh, but nonetheless, I say that with a lot of humor as well. The we'll second, have to wait and see. Funny thing is you're the second person to bring up Ali Suzoko <laughs> to me today. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why everyone's thinking about him all of a sudden, but, um, the only the only good memories I have are those Macron kits. Man, they were kind of beautiful. Uh, some of them. The, the lime green one will uh, never live in my memory as any means, by any means, a favourite. But uh, let's go Sissoko to the final... Uh, oh, Sissoko played with Gerard at Liverpool, didn't he, I think? Get the band back together, man. Fuck oh, he well. has too, yeah. How old will Sissoko be now? Like 35? <laughs> no idea, mate. I'm going to say 34. 34. I'm actually going to have to look this up right now just because I want to know. And I'm sorry to listeners that probably don't want to hear this, but nonetheless, I'm. Now, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's 35 or 34 years old. Sorry. I'm not even sure if he's still playing. Um, it doesn't currently say. I think he plays for um, a club in Turkey, from what I no, can Thailand. see. Thailand. Thailand. Oh, it's Thailand. He's playing, okay. Yeah, he's playing for Lamphun in Thailand. Well, I, I hope he's doing well. I hope he has a few um, great performances in there and scores it's one or two. It's second division. Okay, well, you know what? I think he's pretty well wrapped up if that's the case. Um, but let's get to the final segment, of course. And we just kind of wanted to go over our um, final score out of 10 for 
this January transfer window for Villa. Of course, it, it closed all of 22 minutes ago, unless there's surprising paperwork that we haven't seen a deal go through and we're just waiting for it, which I highly doubt. Uh, but nonetheless, um, Seb, who's not here anymore, he gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, Simon gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Tom, an 8.5. Uh, Danny at eight, and I gave it an eight and a half as well. Um, I, I think we can all agree it's been a very, very positive window. Um, one where it's probably the, one of the busiest I've ever seen, summer or um, January as well. And I mean, as long as I can remember, Villa have been terrible in January transfer windows, and it's been I, the one that always sticks to my mind is Grant Holt, and some for some reason thinking he'll. Um, bang in a few and recapture his short period of dominance in the Premier League for that one season or two with Norwich uh, before his form really fell off a cliff, probably due, probably due to age. But nonetheless, it's uh, it's been one of positivity and there's definitely plans going forward. And I think that's one thing we can look at uh, with a lot of optimism. But uh, Tom, I, I see, of course, you're unmuted now. So did you want to have a say before we wrap things up? I was just going to say, I think it's like, realistic if we look back at it i don't think we should in terms of how we view the january transfer window let's not let's not punish the club for getting the business done early do you know what i mean like if we'd have signed if we'd have signed luca dina today or yesterday you know we'd be heralding this as probably like a 10 out of 10 window because it would have had that element of late drama as well um but you know they got business done early i agreed with seb's points earlier like the the dean deal is the one that pleases me more than Coutinho really because it's like it's a solid upgrade you know he's consistent and a proven Premier League player and also like it's Villa just showing a bit of savvy and taking advantage of another club's troubles and you've got to do that sort of ruthless stuff right if you want to take those next stages those next steps so I mean I think uh, 20 years of the January transfer window now I believe and I think this is probably the only one I can think from Villa that rivals this one in terms of the players we've brought in and covering the bases and stuff, is that one when we signed Ashley Young and John Carew and Sean Maloney um, all in the same window? I mean, that was obviously a pretty good one, but uh, that's the only one I can, that comes to mind that's sort of been anywhere near the level of this one in terms of upgrading quality and bringing in signings who you really hope are going to be difference makers for us um, and not necessarily just in the short term either. So um, hard not to be pleased, really. Absolutely. Well, Simon's been here and it hasn't kicked him out for like at least 20 minutes. So I feel bad that he hasn't been able to say anything for a while. So Simon, um, I'm not saying this with pity, but do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, um, I, I get the points that Tom and Seb make in terms of Dean have been uh, about possibly the signing of the wind or the biggest one, which I, I think there is a lot of merit to that. The, the only reason I'd go against it and go with the obvious of Coutinho is just... I, it's such an unbelievable sort of idea. You know, if you just said six months ago that Villa are going to sign Coutinho, you, you, you think, well, not a chance. And just that name, I think it was just such a statement signing. And I, I think it is, it's something that, you know, if it, if it comes off, he can get back to the level that we know that he's capable of. In terms of a draw for other players to come to the club, you got... Philip Coutinho playing at club managed by Stephen Gerrard, it's that that speaks volumes. It sort of puts you back on the map again. So, I, I think that I think that's probably the biggest one, just in terms of what it does for the club, sort of across across Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Danny, any final comments from you? 
Hopefully yeah, no, it's good. I, oh, there we no, go. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. It's all good. It's all good. Um, no, yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah, Simon's absolutely right and puts it straight into perspective. Coutinho, wow. I mean, who'd have thought? I think uh, it's quite interesting as well. Tom talks about perspective. If all of these signings had been made in the in the last week or so, this had been heralded as heralded as like you know the the best window we've had in forever. I mean, look, the the Coutinho signing already lifted the team. You know, we already saw that make an instant impact against Manchester United. I'm excited now. You know, we've still got Leon Bailey to come back and uh, we're going to have an absolutely just... We're, we're so potent in that attack now. Um, all we need is for, for Watkins and Ings to get firing and that's why we didn't sign a striker in this window, of course, because we know we've got talent up there. Um, we've got a very well-balanced squad, regardless of this defensive midfield um, stuff and regardless of the fact that we don't really have a backup left back at this point um, these days the way that Villa are going and the, the tra- trajectory that we're on all I see is more spaces for academy players to come through so uh, with the way the squad's improving and and the way that Gerard's kind of looked especially for uh, experience in this window a real sort of win now attitude that's why we've signed some of the older players uh, yeah, I just think that that, that balance is, is is key in the squad now, and um, it, we're we're much better balanced than we were at the start of it. Yeah, and I mean, just what I want to say quickly is, I think with the way the academy is set up now, I think it takes a lot of pressure off of the first team in terms of having to go out and buy four, five, six, whatever amount of players every single season to replenish. And I feel like for as long as I can remember, that's been kind of the theme you might have one or two academy graduates come through feels like maybe every few years once in a while maybe one or two of them um of course i can think of one and i don't really like to say his name in this parish anymore nonetheless um and everyone can kind of figure who that is um it's very rare that we have one that really kind of meets the grade of where we want to be so you know what there's a lot of positivity there i mean coutinho and dinia coming through as well um, from Everton. I mean, it, it's all in the up. Everything's kind of been um, put in place to have a bright future, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, whatever amount of years. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But anyways, we're going to wrap things up there. So thank you very much to Danny, Tom, Simon, and uh, Seb, who's not here anymore, uh, for joining me. Of course, um, this is our live edition of the Holtcast, which will be cut up for our podcast feed. So of course, if you haven't heard of us before, you can go on wherever you get your podcast and type in um, Holtcast, H-O-L-T-E-C-A-S-T. Um, and yeah, you can uh, subscribe there, leave a positive review. It's always appreciated. That hopefully will be up in the next 24 to 48 hours whenever Twitter decides to send me the live feed so I can download this. But uh, no, it's a good one. We'll have to do this uh, more often as a live edition. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. And don't forget, up oh, the villa. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.